0: Log Talk Radio. Greetings and welcome to another edition of Revolutionary Hoodoo, Food and Voodoo Secrets and Recipes. Remembering that all is really in need of recipes, you, be you can just see beyond the fail. For it is all just empty and
1: wisdom and the best and what's greatest in life and in love family reunion life. I'm on in, I'm on in all Welcome, welcome to the National River My I'm going Come on in, Lord, to Yeah.
0: O Batala, mi Ita, ni ebo, Emilio, eshu. eshu is a respected elder who flogs, confronts, and uncovers fools. That one versed in mysteries uses truth to own you. He calls scatter to be poverty. O shakes rascals to have sacrifice. The owner of warnings is the one who is Eshu. May I ever reach your room, may I ever be accepted, may I ever allow what we desire to come to pass. And so we say, Ashe. Greetings and salutations, indeed it does feel like a long time. It's weird how that happens. (laughs) Divine all-blessed, greetings and salutations, you are now sitting live with the Divine Prince. Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, actor, cultural performer, activist, grassroots community organizer, Elagoon Oloye, Hoodoo Obeya Bokur, sharing with you all things, spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a Pan-African Hoodoo world, spiritualist perspective. And of course, I'm joined by my beloved cousin, my cousin, Chief Priest Baba Awo Oloye Ifawole Oladeji Ifantade, who is the Chief Priest of Ile Isheche Oladeji Inner Consciousness Spiritual Center in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And also my beloved cousin, Otan Ifatomiwa, who is the owner and creator of Armored in Grace, the administrator for Armored in Grace. And indeed, I'm always honored and grateful by my family, especially on an episode dedicated to family reunions. I'm always honored and grateful by Lakita Mims, them Mills, thank you grateful for another family member, my mother, uh, evangelist Gary vonsell Savage, my sister Wapani Savage, my 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 nephew uh chef <laughs> my chef master chef uh nephew Tink. I'm always grateful indeed when my blood family comes through. But then I'm also grateful when my spiritual family comes through. Chef Bougie, one Orisha, the beloved Orisha, um, our Chamafia Rothschild. <laughs> yes, one Wapani, beloved one Wapani. Um, and, and so many others who, continue, Martha Martinez, who have a continued support and show love and appreciation and and unity, Alexis Williams, when we need it the most. And so I ask that you continue on with your endeavors as it might relate to our beloved space, Congo Square. Continue on with your endeavors to um, keep this issue in front of the face of our beloved mayor, Cantrell some of the locals call her a So please keep, keep it in front of her by email, by your beloved creative uh, viral videos, you know, and, and make sure you tag the mayor, make sure you tag the city council, make sure you tag um, uh, uh, Representative Troy. Let me get my notes in front of me before I start calling out names and have my... Uh, verbiage are jacked up and crazy. And of course, things aren't always where they need to be. Oh, uh, Cedric Richmond, Pashure Senator Troy A. Carter of Louisiana State Senator District 7, make sure that these great and powerful and connected individuals know the value of sacred space, the value of history and tradition, and culture, and lineage, and what it means to us as an international community. For indeed, this is a battle, this is not just in my community, my literal, physical community, the beloved historic Treme and Congo Square and Armstrong Park, but this is also about the city of New Orleans, about the history and tradition of Louisiana, about what America is, will ever be and indeed it is a global footprint we have international tourism to this historic and ancient city if you will from all over the world people who come and love on and appreciate on um, our our city so i'm grateful for those of you who have contacted by way of email by way of phone by way of video and you tag these people the at tag as well as the hashtag don't forget to ask them. And you can find their profile on social media. Um, TV is everywhere. Mayor Cantrell is everywhere. Make sure you tag her to ensure that she, you know, it's a courtesy to ensure that she sees and enjoys your post about staying out of Treme. Not just Congo Square, not just on some park, but staying out of Treme with any uh, political, municipal, governmental you know, development. So we, we certainly appreciate that. We we appreciate family when family does what family supposed to do, which is to love on one another, which is to support one another, which is to give wisdom and advice and share experiences, sometimes by way of humor, sometimes through the tears and the emotions, sometimes through heat. And, and a little aggression, particularly when we've been told time and time again, but particularly when we, you know, we, we're supposed to know better, <laughs> you know, some big auntie or big uncle or big mom or big papa might be a little bit more aggressive, you know, the fourth or fifth time around. Uh, and, and of course, depending on what the infraction might be, you know, is it a mistake or is it indeed something, you know, that much more egregious? And how often do these questions, comments, requests show up at family reunions? We're just here to have a good time, you know, and to to enjoy some food and drink, you know, some music. We love to to put on our old music. Don't let me start calling off names, y'all. The Ozzy Brothers and the Outgrade and, you know, the stuff that you and your parents and your grandparents might, you know, be able to enjoy together, you know, and it's always that family member or sometimes more than one family member that just has to open up the closets, just tell secrets, that just has to to pick and prod, that indeed brings that unresolved, unhealed energy to the family reunion. Greetings, Mom, peace and blessings, beloved. Yeah, it's been quite a morning for me. I'm really just well i digress but but thank you yes thank you for being with us thank you my beloved sister Juan wapani it is indeed a family reunion here virtually but also in the cosmos many of us celebrate family reunions, get together during those summer months sometimes they're connected to juneteenth or you know july 4th but indeed a great deal of the summer months don't have you know, organize holidays per se. So we we make our holidays, and we want to get away from the summer heat, depending on where you live, what part of the world you you live in, and and we want to get out and enjoy the beach and 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 uh, get on the highways sometimes and, and tour other regions, and of course, interconnect with family. And there's always that family member or the, that group of family members that just don't want to comply with celebration and just having a good time. Just can't have a good time without getting drunk and acting a fool. (laughs) You know, I've had funerals turned out, I've seen weddings turned out, and indeed I've seen family reunions turned out. It's something about that energy and I've always believed that it's more than just, you know, love, connectedness, sometimes support. Um, we like to say nurture, but sometimes you have family members, you know, that you only see once a year or less, you know, at your family reunion. So it's not always necessarily about uh, direct nurture, shall we say. It could be more of an international, not an international, forgive me, more of an ancestral nurture, you know, from previous generations or previous connections. You know how you just connected to that? that that uncle or that aunt that your grandma says is your uncle and your aunt and you don't ask questions. They don't tell you a whole lot of things. You later on find out that, you know, they're not your blood relative or they was just a friend of the family, you know, and in some cases with us who are doing DNA research, uh, much more entertaining and interesting stories uh, who the mama really was, who the daddy really was. Uh, greetings, uh, Enzo Khalifa. Greetings, beloved. Nina Lloyd, I need to talk to you today as well, Nina Lloyd. After I talk with my cousin, uh and Mim, I'm going to talk to Nina Lloyd. After the show, not, not very long after the show. So, Nina Lloyd, 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock, Nina Lloyd, if that's okay with you, beloved. Just call me at 5 o'clock. Greetings, everyone who I have not acknowledged individually. We welcome you. And of course, on our phone lines, there's always many listeners on our phone lines at area code 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. If indeed you have a question, comment, or request, do press the number one on your telephone keypad. This will allow me to open your mic and bring you into the conversation. We also have our chat box open on the blog, talk Radio, B-L-O-G, blog, talkradio.com, forward slash the hyphen divine hyphen prince. The chat box, carry is also open. And, of course, we welcome you to utilize the scrolling banner at the bottom of the screen. Well, let me first copy and paste it and put it in the chat. And then I'll put it, uh, scroll it at the bottom of the screen to allow you to co-host with us and come on with your webcam and mic with your questions, comments, and requests as we unpack, you know, because our our show topics always require some unpacking and perspective from at least three people, if not more, uh, and unpack this topic of family reunion today on July 12th. So I'm gonna allow my cousins in, the beloved O Iya otan. Welcome, and then uh we'll open Oloye Ifawole mic after our beloved sister speaks. Come on in, Queen. Fine, uh Baba Aloye and
2: listening watch family. I wanna give honor to my little and at the Bayola Bok. Hello, It is indeed a blessing to be here. I have met everyone, including my cousin, this has to back victim. I look forward to this, today's discussion. Ooh, we the union. Mm-hmm. Let's get into it. This is definitely gonna be interesting and full of love and laughter. And uh, please don't feel if you're listening or watching that you have a family that's completely out of the ordinary. There is no story that I haven't heard. Can't stop us. Just you know, anything that resonates with me, we ask you to definitely like and subscribe to the platform. I have enjoyed being here. The discussions are definitely meaningful. It helps to dive deep if you're willing to do the work. And I look forward to
0: discussing and uh, continuing the conversation more. On, on the slide this show is an exercise of shadow work if y'all haven't already figured that out but come on in oh <laughs> yeahy she said to everyone blessings um, as we
3: go into talking about family union family period of course we can't uh, deflate from uh, deflect from the the need of our ancestors so i offer this Oriki egun today. Ancestors I call you. Ancestor I greet you. We praise the power of the ancestor. The wisdom of the ancestors is here. Good fortune comes from the wisdom of the ancestors. When I do not know which road to follow, I will turn to the wisdom of the ancestors. I thank my ancestors. We say, I share. So I give honor to all of you. I give honor to our ancestors. I give honor to all of the Ori, of all of those who are present today. And I pray today will be a beneficial day for each and every one of you that you'll receive a blessing of good wisdom, new wisdom, things to take with you to elevate your own consciousness and your own level of, of knowledge. So blessings to everyone, blessings to Mama Savage, Blesses, blessings to one what I uh, so blessings to uh, all of you,
0: uh, all, all of my
3: family here. Um, God
0: bless you. Yeah, Wamapani well, is your cousin now, o- Otan and uh, Oloye. I'm
1: a cousin.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Greetings, Dan, Gibbs. Welcome, beloved. All of our listeners who we cannot see, we certainly do appreciate you. We're grateful for you. Uh, yes, Enzo Khalifa. Um, yes, we thank you. We appreciate you, Matt. Austin Bay. Greetings, beloved Salon. Thank you so much for sharing your time and your day with us. Goat Rider, the master builder, we certainly appreciate you and all of you for being a part of this this uh, uh, sharing. And again, we invite you, don't don't make me beg and, and certainly you don't want to see me be aggressive. Uh <laughs> one time I can tell you you might not like my aggressive spot. <laughs> But please, please, don't make us beg you to participate, to join in, to ask questions, to indeed uh, get on the phone lines. If, you know, your wig and your your face stay together, just get on the phone lines. You know, we can hear you at um, 845-277-9143. And remember to press that one so I can see your hand raised. And I'll unmute your mic and, and bring you into the conversation. You know, when I think even just about, uh, you, I'm a meditator if, if you all don't know that, have figured that out already. I love to meditate. I love mental mind exercises since a child. I love to use my imagination. Uh, it was something that my mother encouraged. Uh, in, in many ways, she demanded it. Uh, we weren't allowed to be quote unquote bored as children. Um, using that word out loud uh, was like a magic spell, and it would cause mother to go into a particular range of behavior. Uh, probably top of the list was clean the entire house if you're bored. Let's, let's clean blinds, and as some of you may not be aware. We had metal blinds back then, you know, that loved to collect dust and needed to be cleaned, you know, frequently. You know, baseboards. You know, closets, crevices, you know, no no more boredom, you know, when when you're told by mom to clean the entire house uh, from top to bottom. Spring cleaning type cleaning from top to bottom. Uh, And then, you know, there was the responses that she gave, which were a little bit more uh, ethereal. Um, Meditate. As young as five, six, just sit down, be quiet, be still meditate, what does that mean to a child who who hasn't had meditation explained to them in any any great deal of of detail? And and for my new listeners, you know, I was at the earliest um, Black spiritualist churches, Baptist Black spiritualist churches, and then we graduated, for lack of better words, into evangelical Christianity. So my mama wasn't necessarily you know, someone who talks about Buddhism or Hinduism or or other cultural religious nuances from around the world. Um, She just said, meditate, you know, sit still, be quiet. Think quiet thoughts. Think peaceful thoughts. Think positive thoughts. And then there was the response about find you something to do. Find you something to do find you something creative to do. So we learn how to take cardboard and brown paper bag and flour and water and paper mache and and blow up balloons and, and, and paper mache them and create things and use our minds and use our imaginations. So I like thinking games, breathing, sitting still, breathing, and then picking very specific targets or very specific questions. And and one of those is, you know, what is your first memory? When you go back in your mind, when you steal your random thinking and thoughts, and you can really get to that that vibration in, in your frequency, what's your earliest memory? You know, what do those memories involve? Indeed, if there's shadow work hidden there, that, that will rise up. And for those of you who are a bit more advanced in doing that work, you have an opportunity to, to heal, repair, fix, and, and, and remove. Um, but for others, it might be positive. You might not necessarily have gray or shadow work lurking there, but indeed have memories that we forget, that we grow out of, that we grow beyond. Uh, sometimes years stack up between, you know, childhood. and and you're actively participating in these activities and remembering things that are good, that are positive, that turn certain frequencies on in your body, that turn certain frequencies on in your mind, in in your spirit. Um, One of my earliest ways of connecting with spirit was music and and indeed the piano. Uh, And I have my mother and my sister here, you know, to sort of witness that. Uh, I worked my frustration out, my anger out, my wonder out my imagination out on piano Um, i was hearing at a very young age playing by ear so i would hear a music hear a song and then i would mimic that you know on the piano back then we had uh cassette recorders and you record a song and play it over and over again you know until i would get it you know maybe 10 times a dozen times before I would, you know, get the song and be able to sort of repeat that. But even in that, going in and out of the harmonies, in and out of the frequencies, in and out of the rhythms, there's something that takes place in your mind while your hands are doing a very sort of mathematically orchestrated thing that allows you to go in and out of, you know, space. Um, and during that, it allows you to sort of deep deep dive into consciousness and memories, you know, and thoughts. And indeed, if there's darkness there, that will surface to the top. But but family unions, you know, we would like to believe, we would like to think that we can recall positive, happy times, you know, the smell of cotton candy, you know, the sound that you might hear in the background at an amusement park, or, or indeed at a family reunion, you know, um, and what type of feeling does that bring up in you? Does that cause to sort of keep us connected and anchored, almost in a way that we identify archetypes with certain traditions and habits and things that we do, you know, in our communities? Uh, I want to talk about that, you know, from many angles, as we always do, and invite you all to please be a part of the conversation. Um, Otan or Oloye, either of you, if you want to go first, please do. Craig Burns, yes, I do do um, uh, remote viewing if that's what you're asking me. Uh, Go ahead, Oloye. Uh, Family reunions, O2
3: and I
4: leave. Family reunions, you know.
3: Uh, I've had wonderful experiences with them Um, growing up you know as many of us did we grew up in church and so we would uh, often have the church picnics and back then a lot of the churches were filled with family anyway so it turned out to be a kind of a family reunion when you think about it whether it was blood or whether it was just someone that we called and referred to as aunt and Uncle and cousins, and whatever the case might be. It was a way of getting to know them on a different place, a different way. And then uh, dealing with the regular family reunions, having the opportunity to see uh, people who you haven't seen in many, many years, and as well meeting meeting, uh, so many different people in the family. The other Part two is when you know when we go through all the marriages um, in the families, sometimes we lose sight on the Ooh, yeah. different names uh, that that change. So sometimes we're not aware or we don't realize that this person might be a cousin because it's not a recognized you know name uh, in the original from the original names doing this through uh, ancestry.com and finding so many uh family members has been a unique and divine experience um having the opportunity to meet people in so many different walks of life is kind of amazing um because you know let's be honest when you do the ancestry dna and you find people it could go left or it could go right. It could go up or down. And I've been blessed that for myself, my personal experience has been a wonderful experience. Um, I can't go into to this thing too deep, but I've I've met very close family members now uh, that uh, i never in my life after you know being 875 years old. Uh, thought that I would uh, have the opportunity to meet. So I just, you know, I myself have had a wonderful opportunity, a wonderful blessing come my way in, you know, getting to know, and even through Facebook, you know, there's ups and downs with everything that we do. Yeah, we know we're being watched all the time through Facebook. They're watching us. They're watching what we post. They're they're doing all that. We all know that. But also, you know, the opportunity to 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 stay in contact with with friends who I consider family. That will you know we've known each other since we were five and six years old. Started school in kindergarten together, and here we are, you know, uh, uh, older and with our own families. Also. Oh, cool. <laughs> So, you know, we we, we look at, at the family reunion. It could be done in a variety of different ways. Friends that you've known forever and have stayed close, that to me is family. Family, blood, you know, of course, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, and then also those who who our how we were introduced to as uncles and aunts and such and how they – And their children, they become our cousins and all of that. So, I, you know, I've had a wonderful opportunity. So, it's all good.
0: Yeah, that's probably my greatest value from Facebook, to be quite honest. And and I'm serious. Uh, As humorous as it might sound, um, is the family reunion element, Um, particularly for me after having, you know, literally disappeared off the map um, for some of my family. for 10, 15 years, in some cases 20 to 30 years, and then not knowing um, if I was alive or dead or where I was or, or, or what exactly I was doing. Family Union really became um, Facebook for me, uh, a place to sort of see, you know, children that had been born long after I left, you know, St. Louis, uh, Chicago, Milwaukee, Washington, D.C., you know, Atlanta, children born, you know, many years after I've left those those cities uh, that I've only seen because of Facebook and social media, because uh, we understand Facebook owns more than just Facebook, you know, it, it's everywhere, um, so we might as well say social media, um, and seeing them grow up, seeing them graduate, seeing them get married, seeing them go into the military, You know, seeing them have babies and and, and children of their own, you know, and and seeing that almost in real time um, on Facebook for me has been a very, very beneficial and even to some degree unifying thing. I think some things that a particular generation in your family, maybe those that are just a little bit older than you, um, have a way of seeing the world. Uh, But then those just a little bit younger than you have a different. Sort of way of of seeing the world, and I think in, in indigenous cultures, uh, particularly in West Africa, they sort of understood that it, it intricately, uh, because we were sort of handled according to age groups. So you know, there's a different degree of how they view and see the world. So those younger generations, cousins, nieces, nephews, etc., uh, who grew up watching me in social media. Have a very different connection to our material, to voodoo and, and black spirituality and religion, and Egyptology uh, than maybe some of our uh, older uh, family members do. But then, indeed, there are older members, like my mother, for instance, who have been, have evolved their own thinking. You know, who can integrate, you know, some of our information into their own worldview. Without it being a dramatic conflict, you know, a reason to upset the picnic table, you know, um, and and still manage, you know, to, to exist in a reality that's in balance, that that's peaceful. I think the family reunions are are symbolic of not just what unifies us and 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 what we remember collectively, what we reminisce about, uh, those shared. Uh, moments in time. But indeed, those mistakes, those marriages, when Olie mentioned marriages, you know, I, I just smile, you know, behind my little uh, face mask there. Uh, because, wow, what lessons have we learned just by way of marriage? Or what lessons should we have learned just by way of marriages, you know, within the dynamics of our families? You know, considering all the requests for love and relationship and fix my marriage and fix my, you know, baby daddy and fix my mom, baby mom. And, you know, what lessons did we learn and should we have learned, you know, through that? Uh, I was a curious child, uh, like many of you, I'm sure. Um, So when the family came together, they would try and isolate the young people from the older. You know, I grew up in a three-story house, so the basement was adult party zone. If you will, we had a full bar, you know, refriger- full refrigerator down there and, of course, access to the backyard and grilling or whatever from down there. And then the children were upstairs in the sec- the main floor, if you will, was a living room, with a TV, in the kitchen, and the dining area where the food was, but separate from, you know, the cussing and the smoking and the drinking, you know, and the bit with. And the p I don't know if y'all even know nothing about that, Big and p you know, <laughs> was being played. And the dominoes, you know, was being played. And I would find, you know, I knew all the spots in my house to listen. You know, almost like prison. There was certain, air, you know, heat, heat and air conditioning ducts in the house that would carry sound all the way from the basement. I knew... Me and Wapani, come on Wapani. We knew exactly where they were, and we would listen. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, you know, we we knew where the crevices were, where you could hear. And I would listen and observe and, you know, take in, you know. And, of course, your parents always think, you know, they've got it covered, and and they've kept you safe from the adult things. And, oh, well, they don't know what we're talking about. or They don't know what, you know, we always knew what was going on. You know, it's intuitive, it's indeed spiritual, it's biological, but we were just crafty, you know, and, and curious, you know, as kids. So learning about how people get along, how adults get along or don't get along, um, and, and how breakdowns ultimately become cancerous and toxic, you know, to to, up, to end up becoming shadow work for somebody to have to deal with you know but for the next individual to have to process um it's just a powerful exciting kind of spooky experience you know to go through particularly as a young
4: person um and then
0: having so many questions about what does this all mean really um there were the events that we had where you know christmas um the surprise birthday party um, where family would come in from out of town. So it's not just, you know, your local, you know, adult party crew, but your aunt, your uncle, maybe your grandma, grandpa coming in from out of town, which would lend a whole other dynamic, you know, of energy, you know, to, to the gathering, you know, to how people would behave, you know, and, or would not behave, you know, depending on the, the occasion. And the spirits was always around. I don't mean just the egg goes, y'all. I mean the, the J and B. <laughs> the Jack Daniels. The spirits would always be around, you know, and, and people would get loose, you know. And at a young age, I would then see spirits come in and go out. Uh, and listen, I see the same thing at church, y'all. So, so it ain't just the liquor element, seeing spirits come in and go out of these gatherings you know and, and enter a person sometimes get passed around you know the the room you having a great time and it's a couple over there that's going back and forth and before you know it you know the one sitting girl sister girl sitting next to him is, is trying to shush them down but don't you shush me you know Who? You know, and, and now she's caught up you know and, and that spirit then sets off like a fire. You know, we see it at parties, how these spontaneous sparks of energy, you know, show up at a party. And, and, and before you know it, unfortunately, depending on what city in America you live in, Chirac, uh, you're you running and ducking and hiding. You know, and I don't want to pick on Chirac either because New Orleans has its own degree of problems, too. But we're just a much smaller city geographically and much more confined. Community, so there's a different dynamic to eldership and leadership, and and who are the uh, patriarchs and matriarchs and sergeant the arms sometimes of the of the community, and we first learn those roles in the families, and we first see those roles sometimes in a way that we don't quite get to see in our little intimate familiar spaces with our own close relatives but in a dynamic when it's at that family reunion mom or dad might act a little differently in front of their mother in the presence of a group might perform a little differently in front of their brothers or sisters in the presence of of a group you know and indeed we would like to think we would all want to just have a great time and be on our best behavior but there's always going to be somebody who's going to ask that question Bring up that topic, bring up that subject matter that um, seems to light a fire of ancestral energy, you know, in family unions that can, like uh, my cousin said, indeed, go left or right. Um, I think the ancestral DNA uh, journey is much like being an adopted child where you really don't know. But you're looking and you're in search of, and now you're getting access to information that you've never seen before. Um, And then you've got to process that, you know, well, what does this now mean? You know, who, who, who is this and what does that now mean? Uh, We have a certain guard that we put up to quote unquote strangers and the unknown, especially in virtual space, especially on the internet, especially in social media. Uh, for some people, you know, you are no more real than your avatar, than your profile. Uh, they, they don't bother to call you outside of the Internet. They don't care to meet you off the, off social media. You, you're no more real than your profile. Uh, but I think when you bring the DNA element into it, the profile now has sort of a, a bit of an identity attached to it. That's, that's somehow attached to your identity by blood, and it gives it a whole nother feeling. Um, I don't think that makes, you know, people necessarily any more or less friendly or favorable than they would be under normal circumstances, but I do think it adds another degree of thought to the process of how they're going to respond or not respond um, when they do get that that information. Um, Like you, I've had great experiences um, with Ancestry.com as well as 23andMe in terms of meeting um, virtually, meeting uh, family members, and it going well. The conversation, even if we didn't have all the answers. I have met some, and we we had no idea how we're related. Still can't figure it out. Still don't know who was married to who and had what child and
5: how we ended
0: up being, you know, second, third cousins. But as I said just a moment ago, Because of who we were as personalities, things went well, Mm -hmm. and and then the DNA just kicks in, you know, and it's a pleasant conversation. It's a peaceful conversation. Sometimes it's multiple conversations. It's a continued um, conversation built on curiosity and interest and respect, and at some point maybe even love and admiration. Uh, But then there are those cases like Lakeithia, for instance, I know Lakeithia's family. Haven't met Lakeithia face-to-face yet, but I've met her mama and many other members of her family, Uh, so it's a very different knowing when you come across her name, you know, in your DNA results, you know, for me. Um, And, of course, again, the connection is positive, lively, curiosity, respect, interest, you know, and a sense of familiar connection. But I think, again, after being exposed to DNA uh, technology, that we indeed interact with many people in the course of our lives who are either connected to us directly by way of blood or DNA, and we don't know it, or by way of spirit DNA connection.
3: Sometimes when I look on my list, I get real confused because It it says from both families, and then I'm trying to figure out how this particular cousin that I've grown up with is in the family of a family that I've never, I I just, you know, it's very, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, What what do they say? There's what, seven seven degrees of separation? Is is that what they say?
2: So,
0: how many? Seven degrees of separation. right. No, it's seven, I think. i wouldn't to be wrong all the time, but I think it's seven. It's one of those degrees of
3: separation, and it's not a many big. That's not a big degree. So when when we find people who, uh, you know, all of a sudden turn out to be uh, a cousin through another cousin that you didn't even realize there was this connection, it, it's pretty uh, it's pretty amazing, you know. And yes, when we think about, uh, even when we think about those families that were coming from the enslaved families, we know that after slavery had ended, then many were moving off the plantations to different places because they did not want to stay in that area. So they would be migrating, and we had the, what we say, the big migration right? So that big migration coming from wherever, South Carolina, North Carolina, wherever they, they migrated from into Virginia, moving upward and up into New York and Chicago and, and all of those big cities in hopes of being able to uh, begin new life. But yet, inside of that, again, we had the marriages and, and some marriages didn't work out. And so now we don't know how this family relates to that family, but we do know that this person is said to be a second or third or fourth cousin. So somewhere down that line, and all that travel, then you know uh, we have family that we don't even know that we that we have all throughout the uh, all throughout the country. So you know it's a very interesting thing to to. Uh,
0: to look at. Yeah, I'm wrong. You know, because the queen is always right. Um, Oton, it's six degrees. Oh, she gave me that look. (laughs) It it is six. My apologies, beloved. And depending on where you are, that number goes down. You know, we swear it's, you know, one or two uh, in, in the city of New Orleans. You know, three at the most. Again, it's really not a big place for those of you who don't quite get it. Oh, wow. Um, Annapolis, Maryland. um, Gary, Indiana. You know, these are cities that are much bigger than New Orleans, Um, you know, by design. We look big and we're a little spaced out because of nature and the Mississippi River and sort of that crescent shape that, you know, we we have an area here. But it's a very small place um typically if you if you know a person um your mama or your sister brother chances are you know might know a person or your neighbor might know you know that person but it's a much smaller degree uh, i believe than six even here in the city so geography i do i do believe plays you know a role but even when i think back in in my past life when i never lived anywhere more than 90 days. And I was always on the move uh, nationally, always on the move. Uh, I would meet people in California and then run into them in New York. I'd meet people in New York and then run into them in Chicago or run into them in Dallas, run into them in Florida, you know. So um, there's also a spiritual, you know, way of viewing the the degrees of separation. I think that, as you would expect in the realm of spirit, transcends uh, time and place. And indeed, spirit, so you might want to call that, say God, uh, can have a person, place, and things show up and be present at its will when when it pleases, when it so well chooses. And if we indeed are God, Reflexes of God, then we too indeed have the ability to create and recreate the reality that we so seek, that we so choose in any given moment in time space, right here in this present moment in time space. How we learn to deal with conflict, how we learn to deal with sometimes aggression, uh, how we learn to deal with fear, all things that we begin to sort of learn and develop uh, as children. Uh, and, and individually, but, but of course through the dynamics of family, family relationships, and family demonstration, how we see things sort of worked out and demonstrated. What things are rewarded and applauded within the dynamics of the family in the family reunion. How do you spend your family reunion? Uh, there was a Tyler Perry movie, and I can't remember which one, because they all sort of blend together for me. Uh, but there was a Tyler movie. I know Stepsy Tyson was there. She was the oldest family member.
5: Uh, family. And,
0: okay, family reunion, and um, you know, and that was one of the issues that they explored. You know, what was the real value of the family reunion? Indeed, is it a party? Is it a celebration? Is it a time to get together and do sort of crazy and salacious, you know, and crazy things? You know, is it a time to show respect? Is it a time to learn to sit at the feet and the knees of, of the elders, you know, and, and absorb their wisdom and absorb their story and, and absorb their, indeed, their experiences? And I think when we think about ancestors, we ask those same questions. And and so, indeed, when we think about the family union, um, I post a lot of second-line culture in my TikTok. so My second line is my most popular thing in, in TikTok. Um, and so people often ask, you know, is it respectful? Is it a party? Uh, if I'm just driving by and I stop and get out of my car and start dancing, is that thing as a respectful thing? Uh, if I'm in town as a tourist and I see a second line going by, you know, is it respectful for me to join in, you know, I get asked those questions almost every day, multiple times a day. I have one video, I think uh, 350,000 views uh, of a second line in my neighborhood. And so I say, yes, it's all those things. It's a place to show great respect, great reverence. We honor, acknowledge the life, the spirit, the soul, if you will. Not necessarily the body. We, We don't necessarily you know, pull the body out and parade the body. Though so that has been done in, in historic second-line culture. <laughs> oh, you're going to make me tell the story of Uncle Lionel, baby. Uncle Lionel was a legend in in New Orleans, was a legend in Tremaine. His image is painted on many monuments, many buildings throughout the city. His photo is easy to pull up. Uh, at his funeral they had Uncle Lionel like this baby when it came all oh time no, like this food. when it came standing up propped up, no coffin, the body standing up it's it's legendary, it is being a record book of of death culture general culture for New Orleans forever. Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. It's more than dancing on the casket, because I know you've seen those videos where we dance on the coffins, dance on the caskets. They'll parade the casket through the street, you know, along with the second the brass band, you know, along with umbrella-carrying, you know, second-line family, friends, and, of course, people who hear the brass bands coming, who who feel the drums coming through the floor and run right out of their houses and then to join, you know, the profession. And it's done in respect. It's done in honor. It's done to acknowledge the life, the soul. And and, and so again, not not so much the body per se, but soul of the individual. And so we celebrate. Oh, yeah, and there'll be rolling vendors pulling, you know, coolers on wheels full of champagne and beer and cold drinks. I'm with I'm
2: with all of that, and, and I feel that it, it is good to sit in the mindset of a celebration of someone. And I'm going to tell you right now, you find somebody else on the team, and I'm doing it about six, because that is doing my celebration anyway. And I can respect all of that, that, you know, there are some that enjoy that. And I, and I respect all of that. I might not taking anything away. But because I, I will dance and shake my chimney right up until the intro, and then I'm turning right back around. And propping folks up is where I draw the line. I will send my love and well wishes and wave you right onto the door while I wait outside. I don't need the and Once you get the propping I'm out. But I will dance with you
0: and do all of this
2: stuff. I, I don't do the problem. Sorry, but
0: I, I I can respect that absolutely. I thought that no might problem. I thought that might be a little bit more entertaining than the drive-through funeral. Uh, but the drive well that's new uh, that's COVID season. So they have a big huge bay window, which many funeral homes have anyway. If you think about it, uh, and now they put the coffin w- right in front of the window and and set up the flowers, and you drive through you know, or walk through the driveway and look at the body. But that, that's new. That's COVID pandemic new. But, you know, family reunions, funerals, you know, one is light, one is darkness, one is Day, one is bear family. One is a bit mournful and, and the other is about celebration and, and, the newness if you will of of life uh because second line sort of celebrate the newness that comes with the transition you know of the body into the into the death world but the spirit returning to the spirit realm you know yeah
3: well you know, maybe yeah, a major part of our culture anyway is to you know we a lot of other cultures uh Level in how we go through our uh, funerals and transitions, uh, right? And, and, and you know, in in from the, our culture, from our tradition, of course, we mourn the physical loss of a person. And but for us, it's a celebration of that transition to a higher realm of being. We know we're celebrating that there's no more uh, suffering, no more pain, no more hurt, no more of the things that they've had to face here on a temporal plane. But now they're in an elevated status in Olorun, in heaven, to be able to be there with us every single step of the way. So whenever we wake up in the morning, we are them. And when we give honor to them, then we start seeing them work
0: Eben or Ebra usually means son of somebody, the son of somebody. So, so, Mm -hmm. you know, they say on one side of their mouth that it's not about lineage and heritage and Mm -hmm. tradition, but on the other, they're almost just as lineage-based as, you know, the Old Testament, Mm -hmm. you know, the five books of Moses are in terms of who begat who and who was born of whom, You know, who's a blood relative to Muhammad? Who's a blood relative to to Jesus Christ? You know, Um, and it's created the Sufis versus, you know, the other, um, for some reason I'm drawing a blank on the various different denominations of of, of Islamic, you know, tradition. But I believe it has everything to do with who's the son of whom and family bloodlines, family connections.
3: Isn't that the way we used to introduce ourselves anyway? You Uh-oh. know, We used to introduce ourselves as my name is such and such. And as soon as you get that out your mouth, somebody might know, but they're still going to ask you who your people is. And as soon as they ask you and you start going down, my mother was so-and-so, my father so-and-so, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, then automatically they're like, mm-hmm, I know that line. Yes. So it, it and and the part about the Old Testament, that's what Islam was based on. So I'm not surprised that it has that, because in in Judaism they have that as well. But it's interesting that all three of the Abrahamic faiths have this struggle or challenge or problem with their their followers honoring their ancestors and being told that that is not appropriate it is not uh, uh something that you're supposed to be doing
0: yeah there's so, a sunni can you hear me yes yeah, sunni mm-hmm. the sunni the shia uh which of the believers of muhammad chose a successor ali bin ibn which means the son of abi talib uh his son-in-law uh, you have Ibadi, another lesser known branch of Islam. This denomination predates Sunni and Shia and is considered a highly orthodox version of Islam. Mm-hmm. You have Ahmadiyya. This denomination is newer than the previous followers of Ad- Adamiya. do not recognize Muhammad as the last prophet. You have Sufism. The majority of Sufis follow the Islam direction as given by Ali, Muhammad's successor, as believed by Shia. So there is a degree of, you know, some of the same lineage-based, family-based structuring in Islam that, that you see in Christianity. And I often say that they're really different sides of the same coin, in my opinion um Islam and Christianity. Also while I got a, a moment I wanted to acknowledge before I forget um Enzo Khalifa a mediumship also made a comment I think is really important just as important as doing ancestor work and divination just as important as getting your DNA work done is family tree. Mm-hmm. I like to you know also say that in another way. We're not asking enough questions we're not writing enough things down. Mm-hmm. We're not asking enough questions, and we're not writing, not writing enough things down. Because that's how you get the family trees. You know, a lot of information gets compiled only when the obituary is being formulated. Mm-hmm. And then we have to figure out, you know, who was the mama, who, who married, who, how many kids did, you know, so-and-so have, you know, how many siblings, you know, and, and we crammed that all sort of into... The obituary, but there aren't many other exercises in the course of our regular, you know, ongoing lives that we stop to compile that kind of information, unless you're doing like a family tree. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And the sooner you get started, the better. The sooner you can ask the oldest members of your family the oldest members of your family that you can reach out to that you can contact, the sooner the better. Again, they're the oldest members. They're moving on to a room. They're moving on to the next destination shortly. So you want to get as much information from them as possible.
3: And don't get discouraged because some of them, for whatever reason, do not like talking about, uh, you know, the, the they don't like talking about that stuff. But if you get discouraged by them not really wanting to talk about it, then you'll still never get the answers. So don't be discouraged if in the beginning you're having a hard time getting the information from those elders. And a lot of them, they simply don't remember because they didn't think it was important for them to remember maybe uh, in regard to that, you know.
0: In some cases, uh, it's still shadow work. And I'm not trying to be disagreeable cousins, so forgive me. But in some cases they, you know, it wasn't important. I didn't think to think of, you know, remember that. But I think too, you know, especially when I think about ancestors, older people, um, the 1960s, you know, to maybe 1900, they lived under great trauma, great oppression, mm-hmm. the lynching season. Mm-hmm. You know, having whole communities burnt to the ground, whole houses and whole families burnt out of their livelihoods and out of their realities. Um racism, sexism, um, overt uh, discrimination, public displays mm-hmm. of hate, you know and, and and degradation. And indeed, our enslaved ancestors endured and endured a great deal worse for sure. But just to keep it in context what what, what we're dealing with, those who are alive right now and under the sound of our voice, and maybe my mother's generation, you know, maybe my oldest client's generation. My oldest client is 86 years old, so maybe her generation, you know, and and think about that degree of quiet and silence Mm -hmm. that they were sort of first trained into because that's just what you did back then. Mm -hmm. People didn't air their dirty laundry. People didn't talk about personal things, intimate things, things that were upsetting. Uh, I think there's a certain American thing that led to, especially when I think of the 50s, this sense of America being sort of this utopia and the perfect families and no one wanting to look like they had less than their neighbor or look like they were doing worse off than their neighbor. You know, you might say the beginnings of materialism. You might say the beginnings of, you know, sort of our, our hyper uh, labor-oriented culture. But, but let's go back some generations. You know, uh, the wars, World War One, World War II, um, our grandparents who had to suffer, mm-hmm. um, who had to go without, who had to mm-hmm. recycle before we knew what recycling was, uh, mm-hmm. who had to survive. Uh, my grandmother could pitch a penny. My mother's mother could pitch a penny into Lincoln Island, literally. You know, and, and, and had the properties, you know, at, you know, to to prove it, to demonstrate it. Um, I'm not so, so much sure about the savings, but certainly the properties, you know, the the land value, to sort mm-hmm. of back back up that that practice of hers. So it's um, it's a lot of reasons I think that generation in particular kept quiet. Now, when you think of maybe the 60s onward to to today as a a culture, and again, we're talking about here in the U.S., because if we look at Africa, Asia, different regions, we might think a little bit differently in terms of this timeline. When people, generally speaking, found their voice, felt safe saying certain things in public, felt safe talking about certain things, you know, in public. A sex, for example, we know sex has always been a taboo thing in the family conversation. In America, that's not quite the same thing in the UK or Africa or other places of the world, Uh, and particularly when we go back to the 50s uh, or earlier. We know places in Africa and other regions of the world, various stages of undress. You know comic performances theatrical spiritual religious performances involving nudity you know and it was just a completely different feel of that you know as opposed to here in the u.s uh which is you know was based on religion they claimed to be free religion brought religion with them uh then created a society that's been based on religion you know, the, the Mormons, the, the Catholics, the Protestants, the evangelicals, you know, it's been about religion really from day one. And so therefore that has affected our cultural uh, demonstrations, uh, particularly out in the public, out in the open. And the fortunate reality is that when we think out in the open now, we have to think black, white, we have to think Asian, indigenous American if we're talking about the US. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense on You know, we, we have to think in that way as opposed to women in our homes, in our communities, you know, we're thinking about us. And then the demonstrations, you know, that were presented, you know, to us. Am I rambling or are y'all with me? Come on O'Tom. Um, oh
2: no, I I absolutely agree. Um I also um, would like to suggest. I know that um, each of us have our own um, family quirks, if you will. Every family has secrets. they just want to talk about things they didn't want brought out in the open, as you said, um, things that we taboo to discuss um, outside of the household. However, we are in a day and age where a lot of us are seeking information. Um, and as you mentioned, it is part of doing, uh, just for individual shadow work because, uh, getting your family information to understand the tree is critical because it's, it's coming at a time where a lot of people, especially the younger generations are not only wanting to see that they're, where they're going, but they're wanting to have a clearer understanding of where they come from. And so there are no more room for the secrets because all the to do is cause maybe the, the later generations to struggle. To discover who they are so my suggestion to those either watching or listening um, some of us are coming up on maybe family reunions or they're planning them or in up the, the, the planning stages uh, rather uh, of a family reunion and my suggestion is um if you're looking to be a part of that or if you're wondering how you can add to that this is your opportunity to do so start speaking to some of your elders do a little family research start putting together a family tree. Maybe have some kind of either event or a segment in the family reunion where you present the elders with the food of your native, which is a family tree. And you have the information and then maybe every year just forward as family, as the family comes back together, the new additions, the marriages, children that are birthed, you add them to the family tree. So at that function, they are being acknowledged, they are being recognized and you have a whole line and everyone in that family can either take a picture of that family tree for their own records or maybe they're a printout that you can hand out at the family tree so everyone has a copy so everyone can have an understanding of where they come from. Do some research and I can guarantee you, even if this is something uh, that may wanting to be done as a labor of love, I can promise you young people out there if this is something that you want to get into and this is something that you want to produce, the elders of your family will not only feel extra love and appreciation but that will also open the gateway for you to be able to sit at the feet of some of those elders who maybe didn't feel that their knowledge was appreciated or sought after. This can be the bridging, the reconnection for those areas that was broken, those areas where there were no strong ties. You can build that bridge because you need your elders and you can see your history and know where you're coming from so that way you know how how to conduct yourself what you need to see where you need to improve so you can understand where you're going it is an opportunity not just for learning and growth but to solidify the foundation in which you have come so i suggest very strongly not just a family tree but these are some activities or maybe hopefully this will spark an idea in someone so that way if you're functional you're in a family reunion, these are things
0: but what do, what, what's your earliest memory? What do you remember about your childhood? Tell me about the neighborhood you grew up in. You know, tell me when you learned how to hunt, when you learned how to fish, when you learned how to sew, when you learned how to paint, when you learned how to create. T- tell me about those moments. And so, yeah, if it, a, a shadow or a trigger for your elders, for, for those older members of our family, who as uh, O'Ton and, and OLEA uh, suggested may not remember, may have forgotten certain things, you know, e- either by trauma or just neglect, you know, and, and so you are gonna sort of push them down memory lane. I love to ask my mama, you know, what were you doing during the 60s when this was happening and when that was happening? You know, my mom was in college, you know, at a particular arena of, of, of time. I'm I'm thinking about in my mind and, you know, what were you doing or not doing and, and how did that affect you? Um, and of course, you know, Tulsa, I'm sure that that's a, a a question that's asked, I would hope that's a question that's asked among families, you know, who have some kind of ruler history, you know, to, to Oklahoma and, and to that region. Uh, is it Greenwood or that community, you know, what do you remember? What were you told? You know, we know that this may have been swept on the history carpet had it not been for people asking exactly those questions. What do you remember? What can you tell me about your childhood? What can you tell me about, you know, your history, your growing up, your parents, you know, your grandparents, what do you remember, you know, about them? So these are questions we ask ourselves. These are also questions that are very useful in asking people in your family as you try and solicit, you know, information. Grandma, what do you remember about my mother or father when they were a child, when they were dating, when they were a teenager? You know, what can you tell me about my parents that maybe my parents didn't tell me? And some of y'all's grandparents, Shady, (laughs) So they're going to they gonna tell you some stuff, you know, that your parents ain't never told you. You know, your cousins might tell you some stuff. You know, y'all sharing, you know, your first um, exotic flower, you know, and your cousin might share something with you, you know, that your parents may have never told you before about the family. So even just having a mindset that's ready to receive Uh, literally and figuratively from people in your family, but also from divine and spiritual intervention from your ancestors, knowledge and information and connection to our families, you know, and and allow us to just enter, you know, this mainstream um, world that we now exist in. We, We absolutely can push what we want, an agenda, a lifestyle, a way of being, a way of thinking, into reality right now that we want that mirrors our best interests. Somebody said, Who's we this community, those listening on the sound of my voice? I don't care what your religion is, but indeed your cultural, ethno, spiritual practice, you know, we can indeed make ancestral worship and honor and practice uh, as normalized and as some of the things that we don't want, you know, that are happening right now in our in our lives. Um, And and we we start in our families. One thing to consider with that,
3: too. I've uh, had the opportunity over the last couple of days uh, to be on uh, Clubhouse. And in Clubhouse, there's a particular group that is so knowledgeable about our, uh, our families within the Native American communities and how some of the names that we think were European were not European. They are some of our, they're, they're our names from some of the native uh, communities. It's very, very, it was very interesting. I was listening the other day and knowing a couple of my, my, uh, names, uh, that was said to be Native American come to find out that not only were they Native Americans, but they were some of the earliest and most senior people of uh, the Saponi and the, uh, the Chinook tribes uh, or communities. And that, that really kind of got to me because a lot of us are told that we have Native American in our family a lot of us are told that we, you know, have this sum from like Skip Gates. Henry Louis Gates, when I met him, he said that through the DNA, he is finding that 70, 80% are not having Native American blood. But we also have to remember that well before slavery here in this country, we already had had people here. African people were already living here. So, therefore, they amalgamated with the Native American communities already. They had already intermarried with some of them. So now, some of our DNA is showing maybe the origination of Africa, too, and it might not show distinct Native American communities if they don't have a lot of people who had done DNA testing and all of that. So it was very interesting hearing these people and then in knowing and giving them the my, the, the names from knowing the, the, those particular communities and them going right to what, the, all of the communities that had that name. They didn't just stay at Saponi. They gave like five and six other tribes for that one particular name. And as soon as I gave them the name for Shinnecock, to my surprise, in that particular last name came some of the most famous rappers. Chuck D, Flavor Flav, and a whole bunch of other people that they were mentioning. And I, I, I sat there in shock because all of them were from
0: the same family last name from the Shinnecock. Now, you know I don't agree with that DNA part, but you are entitled to your own opinion, so I'm not going to... I I didn't make mention to my belief or disbelief. I just said what... No, uh, about the African, the part about there being Africans here before slavery. Uh, If they were African by genetics, that would show up in a DNA test. Biracial people, mixed-race people, that would show up in a DNA test. that that portion that is remaining from that alleged African ancestor, that footprint would still remain in the new generations that came after the intermarrying, intermixing, that that footprint would still be visible. So I can give that to
3: you, but we also have to consider that in like some of the other areas of the world, they might not have been considered as native American per se, but like in mine, I know I had uh, aspects someplace in South America and some of the other places uh, that that went right along with uh, the 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 um right along with it. That I knew that there were Native Americans, you know, or Native people of those areas, you know, mm-hmm. even including the islands, mm-hmm. because. Mm-hmm. Right, the indigenous people. Because mm-hmm. even from the islands, my original, uh, on, on, my fa- on my father's side, were from uh, Barbados. So we already know that there was a significant influence of Native people. But even if it didn't come up in DNA, we already know that there was the amalgamation of those people in the islands. So it might not specifically come up as a Native American, per se but native
0: to those areas they would still be possibly
3: i'm just i mean possible.
0: yeah we can take american out the, the word american out just just indigenous that indigenous blood from canada to south america uh is going to show up separately in a dna test from the african from the african admix whether it's more recent meaning in the last 500 years but even if we're talking a 1,000 years ago, if indeed there were African, think of it, just like I said, take American out of it, take African out of it, and mm-hmm. just say the indigenous people of that continent of Africa. It has a very specific genome, a very specific code, you know, just look at it from a mathematical perspective, so mm-hmm. that footprint would still be visible. When you, when you look at 23 and me, and I don't know how familiar you are with that site, you might understand it a little bit better because 23 me goes back so much further. It goes back to Neanderthal. So if you're going mm-hmm. back to Neanderthal, then that obviously predates slavery mm-hmm. in the Middle Passage. And they're mm-hmm. able to denote geographic regions where your ancestry would have been. At that time, at a particular time in history. So, to use myself as an example, I showed it on screen a few shows back. My earliest ancestors were indeed indigenous
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Southeast Asian, and there's a clear distinction on on, on 23andMe. Southeast Asian shows up. Um, I want to say it's orange and indigenous here in the Americas shows up as a yellow color on your test. And so if there was intermixing of those two, that those numbers would show up in the DNA test. So the same thing with our quote unquote African-based ancestors. Now cousin, remember I also did the show when when I did look at the Neanderthals and the Cro-Magnum and the different hominids Predating dating quote unquote, humans. Mm -hmm. And I showed you a series of pictures of dark skin. I'm comfortable with black people. Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable with there were black people in North America before Mm -hmm. slavery, before the arrival of of slavery. I'm comfortable with that. I'm not comfortable with there were Africans in North America prior to slavery, because that would be just like saying American. Russia? What happened to USSR? What happened to what they called it before that? So Mm -hmm. Africa, we know our ancestors didn't even call it quote unquote Africa. Mm -hmm.
5: So when we say
0: Africa and and then try and attach that, that attaches it really to the Middle Mm Passage. So that's what I'm saying, that there just could not have been, genetically speaking, African people here before the Middle Passage and that not show up on the DNA test. That will have to show up, just like intermarriage, just like biracial, you know, couples have children and there's a footprint clearly representing both, you know, representations of the blood lineage. And for the African-American, I know you all don't like to hear this, but we 98% biracial. African-Americans are 98% biracial. If you don't agree with me, you probably I, have not done a DNA
2: test. Yeah, my 23andMe shows um, both lines from what they would call, I guess, indigenous here, as well as my ties to Africa being around both times, because I have my earliest ancestry from, like, speaking like my great-grandmother, my paternal great-grandmother, like, she was straight up. Like I she was listed through my family and I recognise they said she was native. But bloodline wise, according to my DNA, she was a whole African. Like hundred percent not mixed nothing. Now when I look at the the indigenous um timeline like you have said on my twenty three andme it's actually both. I got the Nigerian around that time and I also have um indigenous so mm-hmm. i i don't know i think that because no, <laughs> no i think that because nobody was here to actually none of us was here actually actually witnessed it i won't say that there was no evidence here because i wasn't here but i see i know on my all my 23and he says, it, 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 it's really dang close it's really dang close so i just say that you know everybody and you know as far as their families and their migration so it's, 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 you know, going coming or or not is you know specific to you know whatever was going on within their community or or their groups at that time. So I I would say just you know just for the sake of keeping that uh, open opportunity and not shutting the door on the possibility to say that it's, it's very possible. I, I would just leave
0: that. Listen, as, I, as I'll I'll give you that honestly. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you that, but at the same time, you're you're still supporting my response, because if your DNA test is able to demonstrate both African and uh, uh, other indigenous cultures sort of coexisting at the same time, if you will, then that would clearly show up in your DNA test if one intermarried with the other and had children. That would absolutely leave a footprint. You know, on the DNA test, scientists would be able to separate one originating from one portion of the world with another, and that's you know, for me, it's basic science. For me, um, as I say, I'm not trying to be disagreeable, especially with you all. You know, I'm not trying to be argumentative, but it just it doesn't it just doesn't make sense to me. I agree, um, Goat Rider. Goat Rider, Damascus. It's just not enough verifiable evidence for the Africans in America pre-transatlantic kidnapping. I agree, because if we use just the Olmec heads, for example, as a demonstration, where the rest of them, and where the rest of the heads, where's the rest of that civilization? Who built the heads where's the rest of that community if indeed we use that as the example of there being an african footprint now it could indeed suggest um maybe they've seen an african now now, now i'm i'm, I'm particularly about wording oloye said well i just can't really say that there weren't africans in america perhaps perhaps but if they started having babies if they started intermarrying, now we're talking about a DNA footprint, which is different from just Africans being in the Americas. So they came and visited, they went back home and we said, oh wow, look at those Africans, and we carved OMEC heads. Okay, that might suggest something else, you know, technology that we've lost contact with, you know, um, a, a way of communicating you know, across the oceans that we've lost connection to. But when we start talking about genetics and DNA, that's a very different thing. Um, Enzo Khalifa says, yes, 23andMe, group numbers reflect the early migration and mutations of your maternal and paternal lineage. Yes, thank you for that. That's correct. So it will absolutely show a footprint for where your earliest maternal ancestor hailed from or originated from. And at what point the crossroad was created uh, by way of, you know, marriage, procreation. Goat Rider the Master Builder says the color map would bring to light why we look at indigenous peoples as black Africans. Uh, we talk about the color map in in the DNA test. Am I reading that right?
2: Is he referring to like the
0: There's an echo for some reason. Uh, say that again. Is he referring to the twenty three and me color? That's what I'm thinking. see either referring to the twenty three and me or the. Um, ancestry.com but i i my comment goat Rider, which you probably heard me say was indigenous people were black in many cases if, if we look at tonation of skin they had black or, or, or darkest brown dark brown skin you know because there are people listening to us right now who are going to say well You not black, Otan ain't black, Oloye certainly ain't black, you know, if we look at the color spectrum. But in terms of shading, you know, there were indeed indigenous people darker than me. I think I'm the darkest one on the screen. There was certainly indigenous people darker than me with nappy hair that lived outside the continent of Mother Africa. So I would say those people were, quote, unquote, black. Those people were not African, were not African. African gave birth to humanity as a species, humans as a species. When we think about indigenous, we're not just thinking about indigenous humans, especially when we think about North America, South America, Asia, Australia. We have to then look at Neanderthals and other pre-human hominids. And so those pre-human hominids had dark, dark skin in most cases. In some cases, they might have came close to Oloye, but in most cases, they was closer to me and o time, and they did have from straight to nappy hair. <clears throat> Everything they got in the beauty supply store, they had. From straight hair to nappy hair. <laughs> And 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 so in that sense, the way we think as African Americans, because listen now, the way we think as African Americans, what's black, what's African, is different from what a Nigerian might think as black and African. It's different from what a German might think as black and African. Let's let's be clear, because a Nigerian is going to say, oh, I'm Yoruba, no, I'm Igbo. They 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 know their family, they know their lineage you know, we don't like to say tribe. They they, they can speak directly to that before they say nationality. Africa really denotes I live on the continent. Uh, we, We don't call ourselves North Americans regularly. When we say African, that's like saying, oh, well, you're a North American. We're North Americans, right? Okay, but when we start talking about black, skin tone, hair texture, okay, not culture, just skin tone, hair culture, then, yeah, we could be looking at the indigenous people from, from all over the world. Now, if we start talking about culture, then, it, then we narrow again our focus to really the Middle Passage and how we think as descendants of the Middle Passage about what black and, and, and African and ethnicity is which I saw my cousin Olivier not his head, which is very different than how they perceive race, color, and ethnicity on the motherland, on the mother continent.
3: Well, they're, they're un, un, uh, broken. They're unbroken in lineage, unless it was those who came, you know, uh, during the time of the transatlantic. And, and we also have to remember, unfortunately, you know, there were the, the wars between the, the communities, the tribes, per se. And in that, they, those that were at war that that captured people, were the ones that were selling them to the, the captors. So, therefore, you know, those, uh, those of us here, many of us, some of us, however we want to, you know, say it, have... Again, that 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 broken lineage back there, and you know, to the the particular tribes that have DNA, we can then say that you know we are attached to to these particular tribes. You know, there's some people that have all the document to lineage, but yet they look at the DNA and it doesn't come up in specific as African. So, uh, you know, it, I guess it's a, it's just how you have to, to go about the study. I, I agree that that uh, not all black people are African. We look at our brothers and sisters in, our, what is that, Australia, and as far as I, I understand, they don't have African blood per se. But we know that the Aboriginals were were people of color. So, you know, my fault. i I I, I submit to that. I I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean if we you know, if we wanna nitpick yeah, I mean, Yes, if we wanna nitpick and, and and some of us intellectuals in this community like to nitpick. Um yeah, it it you know, if we wanna talk about race, ethnicity, it gets very, very specific. And, and, again, I keep singling out, you know, Americas because, one, you know, we were in America. I know some of you think this is a Nigeria produced show, and we appreciate that. We take that as a great compliment. Uh, but we live in America, so we have an experience that has been undoubtedly shaped by slavery, undoubtedly shaped by PTSD, post-traumatic slave disorder, and all the traumas that come with that. So our vision, our focus early on uh, and has been programmed to be such white, black, the original, you know, oppressing majority viewed up the world as white and black, that they weren't thinking about ethnicity. They weren't thinking about cultural nuances. You were either white or black, and that was going to determine how they were going to treat us, uh, how we were going to treat each other. And so when you look at Africa and other parts of the world, they don't necessarily have that black, white way of viewing things. Uh, I remember, you know, some 35 years ago maybe having an Asian roommate um, who, let me make sure I get my ethnicities correct if If I cause the problem, who was from Taiwan, but... I introduced him to a room in my house that was full of Chinese stuff. Um, And he was living day one. And I had no idea about Chinese history and how Chinese people had treated Taiwanese people and other, you know, regions, you know, around China and, and what type of racial ethnic dichotomy, you know, they would have. So he described, you know, their relationship the Chinese mainland, similar to, you know, the quote-unquote black and white, you know, uh, discrepancy. So we have been taught to sort of view family and race and ethnicity primarily here in America through the dynamics of slavery. And so it, it makes opening our consciousness to a more universal, international way of looking at things sometimes challenging um, for some people, and particularly with race um, and, and ethnicity, uh, i got you, go Rider. Thank you for that. Um, he said the map would show how skin color uh, is based on the positioning of the sun and, and, and I would agree, agree with that to some degree. But even when you look at. Um, again, the average Neanderthal uh, that we see, you know, what are they, paintings, drawings, you know, not really real Neanderthals, but they typically don't look like how we presently identify um, whites or Europeans, you know, Canadians, North Americans, you know, of, of the lighter lighter shade. So they still, when I look at the uh, archaeological imagery, still have very dark, dark hues. Uh, even black cubs, but but certainly weren't African. Didn't have a, a, a tie back or a root to Africa. Well, thank you, Nina, Nina Lloyd. I got it. I understood. Yeah, it goes back far um, from the documentaries that I've seen, the science that I've looked at. Um, you know, the tricky area for me is Australia, is um, Southeast Asia and that part that begins to dip down south just a little bit, you know, but across the water, away from the motherland. And so when I look at that on these archaeological uh, demonstrations, whether they be videos uh, uh, documentaries and books um there's a there's a name for and i, and I typically get it wrong but i think it's denisovians which is another name like neanderthal it's another branch of pre-human hominid and then there's another group that's just north of that where malays malaysian and um some other ethnic cultural nuances are born from, but again, separate from Neanderthals, humans and other hominids exist. So there was clearly a separate human development all over the world that was not human. So I should say a hominid that was not human. And then you had a hominid, and now we're learning more than one kind that was on the continent that originated human, humanity. The newest variety is the Northwest Africa. They don't even quite have a name for it, I don't believe yet. Um, but they say it distinctly developed different from the previously known uh, hominid that developed humanity in other parts of, of the continent of, of Africa. So we know that there were dark skinned or black looking people All over the globe, but everybody wasn't human until that intermixing uh, began to create, you know, sort of the ethnic, racial nuances that we have come to accept today. So somewhere, especially on the 23andMe site, there's going to be a footprint, there's an algorithm for those ancestors that existed that predate slavery, that predate the Middle Passage, that predate colonization that will for sure show up on your 23andMe uh, test results. Uh, let's see. Go right to the master bill. It says, uh, speaking of family reunion, many indigenous tribes don't accept their African cousins. In many cases, we were slaves, uh, thus the term freedman. But again, I think that speaks Again, I think that speaks to sort of what's in question here um, because I was going to first ask you, well, when you say indigenous, who are you talking about? Because then you use the words tribe and then you said African cousins. So again, I'm assuming you're talking about here in North America. Are you talking about India, for example? China? Well, we know they have dark black ethnic groups there. Documented, archeologically documented, but say they are Indians. Say they are of various ancient Chinese, you know, ethnic uh, groups. But when we start looking at DNA, uh, the goat rider, that footprint—if they travel from Africa into Asia, or Africa into Asia and back, that footprint will be left in DNA. So I'm, I'm just assuming you're talking, again, about indigenous here in North America. Accepting African cousins, but they would have to have a DNA link. They they would have to have a blood footprint. Now, we go back to the beginning of time. Somebody said, you know, okay, we go back to the beginning of time. We all came from the same place. That's, that's not true. Science has now proven that. Humanity came from the motherland. That is science. The human species evolved in the motherland. But you've got all these other hominids out there, you know, which makes your usage of the word caveman, you know, suspect, you know, today. Especially if you want to use it around racial inflammatory purposes. Then we were all cavemen, you know, except for... The human, that's what's being implied, right? But the human came out of the motherland. So when we start looking at North America, we got to be clear about who the ancestors indeed really are. So can a North American uh, have ancestry from both the continent and, you know, even Asia, you know, the, the Barren Strait. Absolutely, but that's going to leave a footprint in the um, in the DNA. We're going to end in about uh, nine minutes, so um, I see your eyes batting, Oloye. Um, my, my, my eyes, what? Now, you, can, you can blame it on technology and say it was a glitch in the camera, but your eyes batted for a minute there. Like you went into a sleep for about two seconds and then came back. Oh, uh, no, no. Oh, Okay. <laughs> And I, and I wouldn't blame you because that's me. I've been up mm-hmm. since about 4 o'clock this morning.
4: Yes, um, I have to.
0: Yeah, I've been battling for um, a family.
4: Uh-huh. And
0: I can't give a whole lot of detail because of the nature of the family. Let's just say it's legal. It's judicial. Okay, the feds are involved. Um, you know, one party's already incarcerated, facing a lot of time. Um, they're harassing the mama. They're harassing the sister. They're harassing the sister's boyfriend. Um, the person who's already incarcerated has a, um, a child on the way out here, and so it's just one client. With, yeah, with five different, you know, spirits to address come um, mm-hmm. lot. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's it's why I'm so stiff, y'all. You know, with these wannabe practitioners, these wannabe psychic readers, we dealing with some real stuff, real real issue, life on life's terms. People really going through a challenge. People really going through a struggle.
3: Find so so you yourself a yeah, real a real you know a real priest, whether it's with, uh, what what uh. What
0: would you guys be in Louisiana Voodoo? Priest, practitioner. Um, You know, we, of course, because of our culture, we, we weren't given that opportunity to sort of legitimize title positions. Even queen is a new concept. No one used that word back in the day. That's a new thing in both Louisiana voodoo, but also in New Orleans Mardi Gras culture. Once upon a time, all a woman could be was a squaw in in masking, black masking culture, in Mardi Gras Indian culture. Queen came about the 70s, maybe going into the 80s, but took up prominence in the 2000s, really. So mama, papa, uncle, uh, these are more than just familiar language. This is more than just, oh, that's my play on That's my play cousin. You know, they were titles for us, and so they worked to mask at another level who our leaders were, who our practitioners were. Because master might think, oh, well, she, you know, that nigga called any, you know, any any black woman he going to call, you know, mama. You know, he going to call baby. He going to call sweetheart. But back in that day, those words meant something. So even today, you come to New Orleans, people are going to call you baby. I had never been called baby by a man before until I came to Louisiana. And, and many of you know I'm, I'm of the five genders. <laughs> you know, so I'm not talking about anything gay. I'm talking about I had never been called a man, but by a heterosexual man, stranger who didn't know me, who wasn't trying to do anything, you know, baby. I, I was like what? You know, but they call everybody baby, and it's, and it's, yes, it's a term of endearment. It can be a term of respect. In the moment, it can say, "I'm safe, you're safe, I see you, you see me, we good." You know, but in two seconds, you can become anything, any other night, any other name, any other title. <laughs> you know. You can become a, a nigger in, in in three seconds. You can become a nigger based on your behavior. Mm-hmm. But you're going to be aunt, uncle, ma'am, sir. You don't get a lot of ma'am, a lot of sir. But you might get auntie. You might get uncle. I know some of you younger listeners think that's a new thing. Uh, Unc is not new. Auntie uh, is not new. Is mm-hmm. not new. Um, Yes... Um. That's a loaded question in the private chat, um, Beloved cousin. That's a loaded question. So I don't know if I should answer that live on air or not. Mm -hmm. Uh, Okay, I won't. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I'm very familiar. That person, once upon a time, was located here. So your question suggests they might be located somewhere else. So I wasn't sure if that was new, if that was old, if that was somebody who... Might have went back to somewhere else. So, yeah, we'll talk about that mm-hmm. off air. The
3: biggest thing is just to find a legitimate priest, a legitimate, whether well, male, or female, it doesn't really matter. There are, are, are legitimate, strong, powerful female priests, just like there are uh, proficient, powerful male priests. Mm-hmm. Take the time to do some research, and to make sure that whoever it is that you're dealing with, you feel that you have the ability to trust them because your spiritual life is a very important life. And when you put yourself out there and you allow somebody to be going and delving in deep, when you do readings, you can go relatively deep if we're proficient. And if you allow somebody in there and they go in there and they're not on the right, you know, spiritual alignment, then it could cause you some problems. So take the time and find, you know, do some research and if you have people that are already working with people, go to that person first and then ask them, do you have a list of people that you know, I can go to. Of course, you have Divine, you know, you can go Otun, Otun is doing things on a limited basis right now, but you have people on this chat between them that are extremely powerful in what they do. So take advantage of it and see Divine, see Otun, and you, I believe that you'll be able to get great, uh, great uh, people to work with you. Legitimately. Let me,
0: let me say this, um, Listen, I don't refer people easily. I just don't. I mm-hmm. get the I get the emails, which depending on how you word your email, I may or may not even respond. Uh, but let's say you are a client. Let's say you are, you know a customer let's say you on the phone with me in the middle of the consultation and you then say you know well can you refer me to a b or c i'm not quick to refer people
4: mm-hmm.
0: now the first layer is okay you know well i'm interested in e5 i'm going to refer you to oloye if you're a woman i'm going to refer you to old but but if i find you to be a problem me, personally, I'm not talking about other folks' protocols. I'm talking about mine. I'm not going to refer a problem to my cousins. I'm not going to refer a problem to the next person. you, you understand? And, and, and let's compare it to, like, let's say psychiatry, you know. So you got a client who's clearly got some kind of mental health issues. Let's say the client flips out, and they've got to call security you know, and, and, you know, get them under restraint and the police come. And, of course, they know they got a mental health. And in the best case scenario, you know, it's dealt with and they're quietly sort of let off the premises. And that person now can go and seek out another practitioner, if they choose, on their own, to get further service. Now, would that professional psychiatrist or psychologist refer that problematic client? To someone else, perhaps. Well, I know Dr. Johnson over there is a little bit more qualified to handle schiz, you know, paranoid schizophrenia mm-hmm. or certain types of behavior, perhaps. But when we start looking at voodoo, spirituality, religion, and again, this is my opinion. Um, if I've talked to you and I've spent time with you, and okay, I know that you're not willing to address. You're not willing to see. You're not willing to do homework. um, You're not going to follow direction. um, You're not going to remain consistent. I'm going to be very hesitant, if at all, not refer that client to someone else. Mm -hmm. Now I might refer them to someone outside the system. I might say, please go see your doctor go see your therapist, go talk to your physician, you know, and and then adjust. But I'm not as quick to refer uh, people in that way who are going to indeed be problematic. Uh, We're going to end. We certainly appreciate your two hours or more of time and and energy. Thank you a lot. Locked in, a divine journey. Thank you so much. We certainly appreciate you watching us in archive and and enjoying the show at any of the uh, platforms that we're available. Thank you. We certainly appreciate the soulmate topic is really kind of still ongoing. We've just been sort of talking about family here lately, soul families, and then that led to family reunions. And then, of course, that July 4th and that Juneteenth energy is still kind of lingering in the air. Uh, So it's sort of been an ongoing topic, locked in the divine journey. Uh, But we certainly appreciate you enjoying it, participating in it, receiving it in archive. We certainly do. Uh, We will be back again on Wednesday, uh, provided everyone's schedule allows for it. yeah, we will be back on Wednesday, the 14th, July 14th, at high noon U.S. Standard Time. Um, I've been considering going back to, I'm almost hesitant to even say this out loud, going back to a five-day schedule. I just don't know how that's going to happen. Um, I know it's a lot on me. I can imagine it's a lot on Oton and Olivier. I don't know to what degree any of us are prepared to do this five days a week um, for this length of time. Um, I still am considering maybe throwing in a random show on the weekend, you know, or, or something like that. Um, I don't know. But right now, I can assure you Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, routinely, consistently, um, and we'll continue our discussion. Um but, uh, about family and about family, soul families, and about family connections and relationships. So I appreciate you, beloved. Thank you kindly. Old time, beloved, you, you can have the floor and and then we'll close out. Um, this discussion has been wonderful. Um,
2: I truly look forward to continuing the discussion with our family reunions. And, yes, everything always
1: has that
2: to uh doing the the shadow work and then hopefully um those watching and listening Mm
1: -hmm. will
2: be able to see the importance and the connection of that because it all ties back and doing that shadow work because you cannot go any further until you handle some of the situations and things that require our attention before we can grow before we can move forward before we can elevate so i certainly appreciated the conversation today I hope that it resonated with someone. And uh, lost it in I believe uh, the name was, everything happens for a reason. There is no such thing as coincidence. Uh, And you woke up at that time, you were supposed to hear that communication. There are times when spirit wants our attention and whether we understand it or not, gonna get it. So um, I give thanks to Eva that something resonated. And hopefully if you have questions, always ask, say a prayer, you know, hey, make this clear. I know I certainly ask a lot of the time, so I look forward again uh, to connecting with you all on Wednesday. And if you need any one of us, Divine has given you the contact information. And I do welcome the contact. I am here to, of service to the community. And hopefully we'll be able to help. us that will serve you absolutely to someone that can. So love and light to everyone and bless you on a wonderful
0: day. All is truly and indeed a blessing for sure. Um, Olay, close us out. You have the last word. I so I give honor and I
3: give thanks for the conversation today to all the ancestral spirits that are manifested within all of us that we that have allowed us to be able to share with each and every one of you today. May the ancestors be there for you, with you, through you, over you. May Ifa, may the Creator and the ancestors always be manifesting all good things within you, through you, and for you and so as we leave here today let us leave here in peace in solidarity so that we can receive the sweet things in life so give thanks I give prayers to each and every one of you may the Father continue to bless and keep you all abundantly ashe Asheo.
0: ashe ashe ashe
5: ashe and Oda
0: I'll see you next time. The almost Indians.
5: The time. The Indians prepared this place for us. Centuries before our arrival, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated,
0: you, the Omas
5: Indians prepared
0: this place
5: for us. Centuries before our arrival, Congo Square, a sacred spot where corn festivals were celebrated. And as the colonizers came,
1: our hosts, right. the homeless
5: Indians, they pushed aside our hosts. The colonizers came and pushed aside our hosts and introduced us in chains. And by the late 1700s, we somehow, recognizing the sacredness of Les Places de Congo, we somehow, and the how of our somehow persuasive methodologies is not clear at this moment. The how is not clear. How our persuasive methodologies worked is not clear at this moment. But nevertheless, even as slaves, We crafted and created a space where we could be free to be we. And thusly, thusly we countered the sacrilegiousness of the French, giving great homage to our ancestors as well as giving praise and thanks to our red-blooded brothers and sisters. This is an oral libation toast to Congo Square, to Native Americans, to our ancestors who made a circle out of a square and gave us a way to stay ourselves, save ourselves from the transformatory ugliness of America, which refuses to recognize the spirituality of life We beat, we be, we was and is, hail Congo Square, Congo, Congo Square, our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated inside the beat of us, inside the beat of us. Our African gods have not been obliterated. They have merely retreated, retreated inside the beat of us until we are ready to release them into a world that we recreate. A world harrowed by the beat, 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 being beating being of black heart drums heart beat heart beat heart beat at this place at this place be heart beat be we beating place in new world space beating being in place in new world preserving our ancient pace our dance is the god walk our music the god talk first thing we do let's get together circle ourselves into community no beginning no end connected together and singing ringing singing in a a ring. Second, let's be original, aboriginal. Be what we were before we became what we are. Be bambula dance, be bonza music, and sing song words which have no English translation. Third, let us remember, let us remember never to forget, even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials. Let us remember never to forget, even when we can't remember the specifics, we must retain the essentials, the bounce, the blood flow, the feel, the spirit, grow, energy, must retain and pass on the essential usness that others want to dissipate with Hello. out of us. Whoa! But no matter, no matter how much of us they prohibit, Wait. no matter how much of us they prohibit, Deep inside us is us. Deep inside us is us. Remains us inside and needs only the beat to set us free. The beat to free us. It is morning. A sun day. A feel. A feel. Without shade, but dark. Dark with the people black of us in various, various, various shades. Eclipsing the sun with our elegance. We are centuries later now, and still this sacred ground calls us. To remember, to beat, to be, we are centuries later now, and still, this sacred ground calls us to remember, to beat.